Father, once again, we come before you on prayer and in prayer on a Sunday morning. And Lord, we ask that you would accept our songs of worship. And Lord, we are so thankful that you do not change. That it's not true one day and untrue the next. Lord, that we have a solid rock upon which we can build our lives in the storms of life can assail us, and we will not be moved. We thank you for the promises that are in your word. And we ask, Lord, that during this service, we would be encouraged and strengthened in our faith to serve you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dismissed to Tyler Church and Children's Church. And the rest of us, let's take our Bibles. And turn to the book of Philippians, and we'll uh, get to a text in just a moment. But today is the last Sunday before Veterans Day or Remembrance Day. Uh, that was uh, a, an American holiday remembering the end of the First World War. Uh, and it's become a day when we honor uh, veterans of all services. And so we praise the Lord for those that have served uh, in in the American military, pray praise the Lord that you can still serve in the American military and be a Christian at the same time. Not not all nations are that way, and, and so uh, we want to uh, thank the Lord for that. And uh, this is also the last Sunday before Election Day, and uh, no matter who wins, things are going to change in a very dramatic way. In fact, I got an email from. Uh, some uh, well-meaning person just sent to every church that she could find, and somehow she found our website and says, lose your 501c3 and endorse a candidate. And I'm sitting here going, if I need to tell people that come to our church how they should vote, what am I saying about the people that come to our church? I wanted to write a response, but I said, you know, I've got too many important things to respond to that kind of stupidity. Uh, if you have any questions about who you should vote for, this is, this is simply what you need to do. You need to get past the rhetoric because there's just too much of it. Uh, neither candidate is a good choice. Uh, you just need to understand that. But if you want to know who to vote for, it's very simply go to the uh, Democratic National Committee website. Just... Google DNC plank, and it'll come up, and you'll see what the party stands for. And uh, then Google RNC planks, and you'll see what the Republican Party uh, uh, stands for. And and if that doesn't make up your mind on how you should vote, I I don't know what could. Uh, You just need to understand that it's not just one person that, that is being elected. The president can only do so much. But uh, there is an agenda attached to each candidate, and you need to, to read that, read over that, uh, which, which candidate promotes abortion at any term, any time, in any way. There's only one candidate that does that. What, what candidate promotes the homosexual, the gay, lesbian, every time they lead it, they put another uh, consonant there. It used to be uh, uh, GL, 
and then it's GLBT question mark explanation. I mean, they just kind of include more and more perversion in it every time. Uh, they expand it. Uh, there's only one candidate that promotes that agenda. Uh, you, you, and if you can vote for that candidate, I, I would uh, check what I believe about the Bible. I really would. Uh, I, I'm not endorsing. I, I, I couldn't endorse either candidate if you gave me money. Because neither one of them come anywhere close to what this book says. But that's not... Where our hope is. The Bible says if my people. Which are called by my name. Will seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways. Will humble themselves. I'll tell you. Then, then God promises that he'll hear from heaven. You want to see America healed. It's only going to happen when we as God's people. Stop buying into the worldly agenda. Throw away your purpose-driven books. Throw away, go home and take down all the pictures off your uh, refrigerator of all the things that you're going to possess one day. Get some Bible life goals. Something that God can bless, and He'll bless this country. Because God always blesses His people. And today, as we are... Looking at all of these things, I'm going to return to a subject that needs our attention. Every, every person that names the name of Jesus Christ needs to spend some time with the subject of this morning's message. Before I tell you what it is, I'm going to tell you a little bit about it because it's so often neglected. It's often relegated to the realm of unimportance. And yet, every time I ask you as a congregation, uh, if you do have one of those things, let's, let's get the ringers off now if we can. Um, if every time I ask myself about this subject, say, you know what, I could use more of it in my life. And the topic, the, the subject of this morning is joy. How many of you could use a little more joy facing the presidential election on Tuesday? I mean, I certainly could. Uh, How many of you could use a little more joy in your life? I mean, hands don't go up like this. They go up like this. Yeah, yeah, I I need more joy. Uh, In fact, uh, we, we need to understand something. When the children of Israel were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem in the day of Nehemiah, and they finally got the walls put up, and they had celebrated the walls being erected, and they read the law of God and assembled. This was the first time in many years that they had done this. And the people, when they heard the word of God, understood the difference between what God was saying in his word and what they were living, and they began to weep. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, let me just read the whole verse. Then said he unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy 
of the Lord is your strength. Have you ever met somebody that was really good at something? I mean, super, beyond excellent. And everything was a complaint. I've met some people like that. Well, I I knew a guy in auto body. It was like, yeah, it looks good, but but it's, it's not as good as it was. I mean, no matter how good it was, it wasn't good enough for him. We've all met people like that. But I'll tell you what, it's a real pleasure is to meet someone that is well acquainted with excellence that's happy about it. That's willing to share their excellence with you. I was going back to the auto body. I remember Mr. Sheffy. He was a member of the Cleveland Baptist Church. And Mr. Sheffy could take anything in any shape. And when he was done with it, unless you had uh, some, t- uh, some method of, uh, well, actually, in order to tell what he had done, you'd have to scrape the work off and look underneath and find the body putty. He was, he was that good. Uh, I mean, he was just... And the neat thing about Mr. Sheffy was, whenever Brother Clayton had a broken down truck or needed something fixed, he'd say, hey, take it over and see Charlie. And so... I call him up on the phone saying, Miss Sheffy, uh, can I come over? We got a little project here. He said, Oh, bring it over. And he was just happy about what he was able to do. I've never seen a man break all the rules and yet make something look so good. I mean, when you paint, you're supposed to. And he was. Just every. I mean, he didn't pay attention. But he was so good, he didn't need to pay attention. When he was done. I mean, it was, it was nice. It was beautiful work. You see, not only was he very good, he was happy about it. He had joy in his work. What is that thing the world always says? If you can find a livelihood that works with your heart, you're the richest man in the world. I mean, they say it a hundred thousand different ways. And uh, how come so often when we come to talking about our faith relationship with God, we're back the other way? We're the sad, complaining, sometimes even bitter. The Bible says many are spoiled with that root of bitterness. Defiled, actually, is the Bible word. How how come we get there when it comes to our relationship with God when Charlie Sheffy can enjoy his body work? Well, he doesn't anymore. He's in heaven now. But And so, we'll begin reading here. And this is where our text is this morning. Philippians chapter 1. And Paul is in the middle uh, 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 <clears throat> of a monologue here of a uh, uh, of explaining a truth to the Philippians. And in verse 21, he says, for, me, for to me to live is Christ, 
and to die is gain. He said, if I'm living, it's to Christ. If I'm dying, I'm better off. Verse 22, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I what not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is far more needful for you. Verse 25, this is our text this morning. And having this confidence that it's better to abide in the flesh and be a blessing and a help to the Philippian church, I know I shall abide and continue with you all for two reasons here, your furtherance and joy of faith. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. Now, Paul is giving two reasons here why it is better for him to abide in the flesh and to be apart from Christ, to encourage, to be a blessing to the Philippians, to their church, to bring them on the way. And you'll remember the church at Philippi was started with a lot of turmoil. That's where he was beaten mercilessly and thrown in prison, Paul and Silas, and God set them free and and the little church was started there, and Paul had a special relationship with that Philippian church. In fact, this letter is not at all like the letters to the Galatians, where he's, oh foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? And Corinthians, it's like uh, uh, rebuke so constantly through the book of Corinthians that he finally, in his second book, says, I'm not going to talk, come back to you and make you sorry again because God is doing something among you. And I want you to have that joy. But the Philippians, he didn't have to say this. He said, I want, I want two things. He said, I want your furtherance. Now, the word furtherance is a very simple word. It means to move farther. Now, how does the church move farther? Well, the just shall live by what? His faith. And faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So do you think when Paul says, I want your furtherance, he would be echoing the words that Peter would write uh, several years later on, but growing grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to grow in faith is what he wanted to have happen. Read the rest of the book of Philippians. You'll find that that understanding of furtherance fits uh, the passage and fulfills. Paul says, listen, for me to continue is going to make this church go further, is to understand doctrine better, how to live for God more. That's, that's what we call faith. Amen? Can we say amen to that? He wanted, and then he says, and, so this is something different. He says, I want you to go further. He's talking about their faith. And then he says, and joy of faith. Now, when I read that first, it kind of arrested me. What, what is joy of faith? 
Well, let's take it apart this morning. What does the word of mean? It's a preposition. It means coming from. Right? I could say, my name is Pete Montoro. I'm of Baltimore, Maryland. That's the Pete Montoro I am. I was born in Baltimore. Now, my dad was Pete Montoro, but he wasn't born in Baltimore. He was born in Glen Hope, Pennsylvania. And if you know where that is, you really know the map because it's not on most of them. And uh, uh, my son's named Peter, but uh, he's of Parma, Ohio, a suburb of Cleveland. And his son is named Peter, but he was born in Bremerton, Washington. No, born in Stillwater, Oklahoma. No, born in New York City, wasn't he? Yeah, I'll get that right sooner or later. But we got five different Peters all born in five different places. You see, there's lots of joy in the world. But there's only one joy that faith produces. In fact, I want you to understand that faith and joy are inseparable. It's kind of like when you get saved. There's four different Bible words the Bible uses to deal with salvation. It uses the word believe. It uses the word repent. It uses the word call several times. It says, uh, if you're gonna, uh, you need to call on the name of the Lord to be saved. Uh, you can't just say these things and then the uh, the last word is the word receive, and this is this is the basis of our gospel track, and not only ours but many others. And it's not new with me. But let me ask you: Can you repent and not believe? Can you believe and not call? Can you repent and not receive Jesus, letting Him do all the work of salvation? I want to tell you: you cannot do one without doing all of them. And the publican in Jesus' story did all by not using any of those words. He said, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. Did he not call? Yeah. God, did he not repent? Yes, be merciful. Mercy is what the defeated receives at the hand of the victor. I mean, did he believe? Uh, Why would he be calling? Why would he ask God for his mercy if he didn't believe it? And did he receive it? Jesus said, this man went home justified rather than the other. You see, it's very simple, but you've got to do them all at the same time. And so I want to challenge us as we go through these verses this morning, trying to uh, examine the meaning uh, of this one passage here, of this, actually this phrase that's found in here, the joy of faith. I want to ask the question, is your... Faith producing joy. And of course, every one of us, including me, already answered that question saying, hey, we need more joy. So we got, we got a problem with faith. We're, we're not understanding how this thing works. And, and uh, before we get too far, I want you to understand something. You can have faith without joy. 
Most of us said, hey, I need more joy in my life. But of those of you that raise your hand saying, I need more joy, how many are you saved? If you're saved today and you're not willing and you're not afraid to admit it, just raise your hand and say, I'm saved. Now, if you need more joy in your life, keep your hand up. Okay? Now, that's not where we ought to be. Amen? A faith without joy leads to discouragement. It, it leads to bitterness. It leads to a lot of things that God... It says, be not weary in well-doing. What keeps us from being weary in well-doing? Well, God's designed this thing called faith to build joy in our lives. And it's that joy that will keep us from being discouraged. In fact, I, uh, I'll just skip ahead before I finish this thing here is... We have the example of Jesus. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the... How many people know what the word is? Joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. You see, Jesus is an example to us in this very thing. He did not want to go through the cross That's why he prayed in the garden for three hours to show us the torment and the anguish of the soul of Jesus Christ as God the Son and the Son of God over what he would have to endure so that you and I could express faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Can we say amen to that? And the writer of Hebrews tells us that the motivating factor was who for the joy that was set before him. If you want to live for God the right way, should we not as Christians be of all people most joyful? So you can have faith without joy, but it's not the testimony that God wants us to give. Now, I want to challenge you that many people have gone to the other way and they have joy without faith. That's why there is so much, quote-unquote, the word that I like to use is worldliness. You see, if rock music made you happy when you were unsaved, how could it make you happy when you are saved? But I will tell you, the Bible college that I attended won't even have a chapel service without a rock band there to warm everybody up before the service today. That's why I don't support the college I went to. That's why I support Heartland, because it's different. And any of you that have been on campus know the uh, joy of the Lord is there. It's a wonderful place to be. It's an exciting place to be because... Their joy is attached to their faith, their doctrine. They're connected. Could I challenge you? That's what the entire charismatic movement is about today, is about seeking joy based on experience rather than a joy that is based on faith. 
That's why the happiest place in the world today on Sunday is a charismatic church and the saddest place is tomorrow when there's nobody there. You, you, you're not supposed to be on this roller coaster. I've, I've met some uh, preachers that talk about, man, I quit every Monday morning. I'm sitting here going, good night, what's wrong with you? I don't quit on Monday morning. I don't take Monday mornings off as much as I would like to. I work the hardest on the week on Sunday. Monday would be a great day to take off. But if I take off Monday, I find out I'm six steps behind on the rest of the week. There's just things that got to be done. And, and uh, I, I want to be there. I, I don't quit every Monday. In fact, I don't know that I've ever quit in my mind, in my heart, because there's too much to do to serve the Lord. There's too much that God wants to accomplish. How many of you have heard of Norman Vincent Peale and positive thinking? I mean, that's trying to have joy without faith. Does anybody remember Robert Schuller, the Glass Cathedral? says, turn your scars into stars. I've got scars. And I'll tell you, as a 10-year-old boy, when I got them, it wasn't, it wasn't anything wrong. But boys like scars. I mean, it's, it's a proof of you've been through something. Uh, that, that's not an issue there. Uh, my favorite, though, has always been, take your lemons and make lemonade. Oh, that's my favorite. Because where do you get the pitcher from? Uh, where do you get good water? Where do you get the lemon squeezer? Where do you get the sugar? I mean, it takes an awful lot. How many of you have ever made lemonade from real lemons? It's a lot of work. How, how do you do that? Well, I'll tell you how you do that in life. You live in fantasy land. And you pretend. I met a man, he was actually a preacher. And, and we were sitting at a table, and I've told this story before, and we were, uh, everybody, and, and somebody said, Brother so-and-so says, how are you happy all the time? You're always full of joy and telling jokes and laughing. And, and he was there, had a big smile on his face, and he just got real serious. He goes, I lie a lot. And went right, right back to telling another joke and laughing, I'm saying. I think there's more truth to that than I would like to hope. You know what? Joy without faith is foolishness. That is the seed of this purpose-driven life movement. Is writing on top of God what is already in your heart. I want to challenge you that God wants to rewrite your heart. Because your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. How many of you have ever allowed God to rewrite your heart to the point to where He fulfilled what He put on your heart? I'll tell you when that happens. Something called joy shows up and you cannot suppress it. I remember the day, as long as I have a memory, I will never forget the day I signed the papers to buy this building. We had a little church, 
roughly about 40 members. We put $163,204 down on this $700,000 property. And I'm sitting here going, this is insane. But I cannot express in words. I knew the Lord was going to do something with our little church so that we could exist. And you know what he did? That was a long time ago. That was April of 1997. God allowed us to pay the building off completely seven years later. Less than seven years. Now I'll tell you, there was some jumping up and down on that day. There was some joy. Because God had fulfilled something. And that was a key. By the way, uh, the last folder has been signed off at the building department. We've, we've just got one inspection between us and getting into the Union Baptist Church building again. All the paperwork is in place. Praise God. Now we just got to clean the place up so the building inspector likes what he sees when he walks through the mat. I mean the building. and Because uh, we've been working on the outside, not the inside. But he's going to inspect both sides, I'm sure. And, and so you, you pray for us, but I'll tell you what. It was uh, Friday night, uh, actually it was Saturday morning, about 12.30 or so. We'd gotten back from the fellowship meeting in uh, Canada, in Quebec, and drove to the hotel. First thing I did as soon as I got uh, Wi-Fi in the hotel room is check the folder, signed off. Yes! And, and uh, Julia said, what happened? I said, we got the folder signed off. Finally! We're moving! That is the last obstacle to getting everything done. So, praise the Lord. You see, our joy ought to be based on answered prayers. Amen? Now, we've got to move quickly or I'll never get through this sermon. We've talked about the example of Jesus... But I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Because it's not only in the example of Christ, it's in the example of the church. Joy is a motivating factor of our service for Christ. Verse 24, Paul is writing the Corinthians... And in verse 24, he he says, the last verse of that chapter, Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. Now, you've got to understand the context of this thing. The Corinthian church uh, was probably the most troubled church that we have recorded of in Scripture. I mean, they had pride problems, they had... People fighting each other in the church. They had different factions built up in the church. They had immorality on a scale that was unknown in the heathen world that was condemned by the Romans themselves. And yet, that was going on in the Corinthian church. And here's what Paul said. He said, I don't have dominion over your faith. I'm not trying to make you little robots. Isn't that what the world accuses us of being? Always, you've got to be a mind-numb robot to believe the Bible. No, you don't. 
Paul says, I'm trying to be a helper of your joy. You see, as you find willing obedience to Jesus Christ, you're going to find joy. How many of you lived long enough for the Lord Jesus Christ that you have experienced that in your life? That you've tasted that joy that comes when you're obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. When you have done what He simply commanded you. You see, faith produces joy. In Colossians 2.5, just listen closely, I'll read you the verse. It says, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Paul's talking to the Colossian church. He said, I can't be there physically. He said, but I know what's going on in your church. Why did he know what's going on? Because people had come and reported to him what was going on in that church. And he said, what I know is going on in your church is agreeing with the Holy Spirit that's living in me. He said, and I'm full of joy because you're being obedient to Christ. That's simply where where joy is talking about Jesus. John chapter 15 said, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Jesus is on his way to Gethsemane as he spoke these words to the disciples. He said, I want you to understand that my joy needs to be in you, and if my joy is in you, your joy is going to be full. Now, what was Jesus' joy? Read. Read Hebrews chapter 12. It said, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Get down in there. I think it's verse 22. says, Unto the general assembly and church of the firstborn. You see, the joy that was set before Jesus is what we are doing right now. We are assembled together as the body of Christ in Astoria. Each local church is a complete body. Jesus is its head. That's why we're not a denomination. We do not have any hierarchy. Uh, occasionally someone will say, well, where's the, where is your world headquarters? And if I'm in a smart aleck mood, I'll say, my office is right over here. Uh, if I'm not, I'll say, we, we don't have a world headquarters. We serve the Lord Jesus Christ directly as a local assembly of believers. Let me tell you, you can't get any more Bible than that. That's the way it's supposed to be. The responsibility for open door Bible Baptist Church serving Christ is not me. It's there. It's members sitting in the pews, coming together. Not because... You're going to get a nasty letter from pastor if you don't show up on Sunday morning. As far as I know, I have never done that in over 24 years of being the pastor of this church. I'm not going to chase you. If you can't come to church on your own, then the best things that this church has to offer aren't for you because you can't get them. See, joy comes from willing obedience. You see, that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, I see what goes on in Colossians, in your, in your city, in your church. He said, and I'm full of joy. Because of Jesus said, if my joy, which is his church, will remain in you, your joy will be full. 
Verse 16, chapter 16, the next chapter, he says, Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name, ask and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. How many of you have experienced the joy of answered prayer? I'll tell you, that's a special thing that God reserves for people who have a faith that produces obedience to his word, a willing obedience. This is what Jesus meant. In 1 John, when he said, if ye love me, what? Keep my commandments. This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Does that sound like joy to you? Sounds like joy to me. Because if I'm doing that which I enjoy, not that which grieves me to do, I have joy. You see, faith produces joy. But I want you to understand something. Turn with me to Matthew 25. That the end of faith is joy. Faith and joy are connected. You cannot separate them. If you do, you end up in a perversion, you end up in problems, you end up having a fake joy that is based on nothing but uh, make-believe, or you have a joyless drudgery of trying to serve Christ. And let me tell you something, Christ doesn't accept that kind of service. It's all of naught. And so we look here in Matthew chapter 25, and Jesus is giving the parable uh, of the talents here. And in verse uh, verse 21, he says, His Lord said unto him, This is the one that had received five talents and had invested and gained five more. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the what? Joy of thy Lord. Skip down to verse uh, 24. Then he which had received the one, I'm sorry, 23, his Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. The one in five talents ended up with ten. The other had two talents, ended up with four. And the response was the same, wasn't it? He said, you've been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Faith produces joy, but the end of our faith is joy. You see, they work together. They work with each other. You cannot have one without the other. If you need more joy, you need to check what kind of faith you have. Because your faith is not working right. And that faith is going to produce some things in your life. The first thing faith is going to bring, it's going to bring you to a point of salvation. The second thing it's going to do is bring you to a point of baptism in church membership. 
The third thing it's going to do is make you faithful in your attendance, in church, in your service. The only way you can serve God biblically in this age is through the church. That's why our, our giving and, our, and everything that we do is oriented towards service for Christ. I praise God for what our, our little church does for missions. But I want you to understand something. Our, our church has made some very willful decisions what we're going to do with the money that comes in. And those decisions have an impact on, on the way our church operates and, and different things so that we can have the maximum amount of funds to send toward missionary projects. And praise God, this year is going to be, if we keep going, this year is going to be a record year. And I don't care who gets elected president, if we'll keep our hearts in the right place, God will allow us to do as much or more in the coming year as we've done in the past year. I believe that. And and one of my joys is being able to Talk to many of these pastors who helped us years ago as we were starting. And now our church is on the giving end instead of on the asking end. That's why Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Because you have to have something to give. Have you ever thought about it that way? God wants to give you what you need to give. Does that sound like joy? Let me tell you, it is. But it's not under duress. It's under a willful obedience to faith. That's what makes it sweet. That's what makes it wonderful. And I want you to start, I hope you've already started praying, but start praying now if you haven't about what God wants you to do. In 2017, for missions. Every one of us can be involved. I'm thankful for our Go Ye Kids. They meet Sunday night, and every week now, we get offering envelopes. 25 cents for missions. 10 cents for missions. I'll tell you, that's important. Because when they get older, it's not going to be 25 cents. It's going to be a lot more than that. Because God has already worked in those little hearts. Because most of the tithe categories is 10 cents. Sometimes you get 50 cents tithe, 50 cents missions. That probably means mom or dad gave them a dollar. I don't know. But uh, listen, you got to think about these things. Because Paul said, I'm here for two reasons. One is your furtherance. That's growing in faith. And the other is, I want that faith to produce joy. Joy comes from faith. And I want that faith to produce joy. And see, that faith will show itself in being obedient to God's Word. I hope and pray that's why you're here this morning. I hope and pray that's why you'll be back tonight and and Thursday night and why when the offering plate comes around, I hope you're giving by faith and not just because, well, everybody's looking, I better put something in the offering plate. No, that's not it. Got to pay the bills. No, 
It ought to be because of faith. And that's where the blessings come from. We serve God. Does your faith produce joy? If it's not producing joy, if it's producing bondage, if it's producing a, a burden, then you need to check what kind of faith you got. If you have this incredible joy and yet you know your life doesn't match up with what the Bible is, then you need a reality check. Sorry, that's just what you need because you're living in fantasy land. My joy is attached to my faith. And when I get looking at all the things around me, it's very easy to lose my joy. It really is. But when I get looking to Jesus, I get it back. Because he's still working. He's still doing stuff. He's still changing lives. Even in these last days. And all God's people said. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to see and to understand that you want us to have joy. You want our joy to be full. But that that joy is attached to faith. We can't have faith without obedience. We can't have obedience without your word. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to get serious about the word of God. That we would not have to, as so many have adopted, to live in a land of make-believe. So that they can feel good about things. And Lord, that we would never allow the work of the ministry and the, and, and the struggle with ourselves to bring drudgery and, and discouragement to us. But Lord, as we gladly surrender everything we are and ever hope to be to you, that's where we find the joy of serving Jesus. Lord, we ask that during this invitation time, if there be one here today that's not sure about their salvation that they would have the boldness to step out and allow someone to show them from the Word of God how they can know their sins are forgiven and heaven is their home. Lord, we pray for those whose faith joy is not working the way it ought to, that you would open our eyes to see those things that need to be confessed and forsaken, that we may have not only a growing faith, but the joy of faith as well. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as Andrew comes, leads us in a hymn of invitation. If you need to come, now is the time to come and pray.